Hello, everyone. It's Adasha Townsend of the Feast and Fashion Podcast. I'm a veteran food and beverage journalist who's worked with some of the most notable media outlets in the world. Feast and Fashion is the intersection of food and fashion, one beautiful plate or glass at a time. With each episode, I will introduce you to fascinating, fabulous people in the culinary industry. Today, Chef Leisha Barnett joins me. This native Oaklander is a certified personal chef, master food preserver, and the voice behind the Mindful Chef podcast. Also, Chef Leisha's role at Edible Schoolyard Project Stockton is multifaceted. She provides cooking lessons that feature local organic produce and plant-based recipes to encourage her students to think outside the box. Her curriculum has a holistic focus where mindfulness, curiosity, culture, and family are heavily encouraged. By using art, music, and food, she creates a playful yet informative experience for her students. She is also the co-creator of the only completely free weekly organic CSA program in the city of Stockton. Welcome, Chef Leisha. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Now, we've got to talk about this outfit that you have on. It is so beautiful. we got to talk about your personal style, first of all, Chef Leisha. So talk about your personal style. And I want to talk about this outfit, too, you've got going on. <laughs> well, my style is very eclectic. I like bright colors in my hair, on my clothes, everywhere. And really weave it in some fabrics and prints and styles from the motherland. So there's always either um, a head wrap or a top or something like that that has those colors. And then I am also very California. So jeans are like my dress up clothes. <laughs> and I have a ridiculous number of Air Max 90s. <laughs> wow. So this isn't what you would cook in as a chef. This, this is an outfit. What do you usually wear? I will wear my chef coat when I'm cooking, but this is a going out outfit. This is, I'm in a good mood. I'm going Beautiful. to meetings. I'm meeting people. This is what I would wear. And uh, okay. this top is paired with yellow leggings and okay. colored Air Max 90. I love, I love it. And I love yellow and orange and red and blue and green. All the colors you're wearing today, I absolutely love. In your hair and on your top. So... Yeah. Talk about how your personal style, how your fabulous dress, how your fabulous decor, what, that's what you're wearing, how that plays in to your culinary style. I'm always looking to have a balance of color on a plate. It's about the first thing you eat with are your eyes. Mm -hmm. So the plate has to be vibrant. You know, it has to look alive and well. So when I'm cooking, it's all about you know, if I have something green, what is there something yellow or red I can add to this dish that would really make the dish pop on a plate? As far as your culinary techniques, what type of cuisine do you usually cook? So I utilize a wide variety of techniques. In cooking, we have braising, sauteing, all of those. Um, I am classically trained. I do know the five mother sauces and all of those <laughs> things from you know culinary school. But my foundation in cooking is really garden to table, farm to table style as far as I grow food. I teach people how to grow food. And I go to my yard and grab something and just say, what can I 
make beautiful with this. Um, and, and being just someone who is from California, but also has very soulful Southern roots from my mm-hmm. family members, I'm all about the freshness of soul food, the freshness of the everyday food that we all eat. Give me some examples of some of that cuisine. Let's see. I went to my yard not too long ago and right before our cast and I picked this. My that came onion. out of your garden? This is a, my spring onion from my garden. Yes. Wow. I grow chard. So I grabbed a bunch of chard. We got some beautiful chard. The, my chard leaves get really, really big. Let me show you. This is like one of the large ones. Well, that's big. That's as big as two heads. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> How does this grow so large? Is this your technique in doing this? I honestly just think I've been blessed with the green thumb because I don't do extra stuff like some people do in the garden. I literally buy soil and put seed in the ground and water it and be like, oh, things are growing. Okay. (laughs) I I bring in um, lots of flowers and ladybugs to manage the pests. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I don't do much. It, my family grew food. So I think it's just something in me, you know, ancestrally, <laughs> because, you know, even my own, uh, my cousin grows food. We all grow a lot of different things. And it's just, it's what we do. But I have leaves that are bigger than this right now. In That's my, awesome. Yeah, it's amazing. So my perspective would be like to cook this, I'd saute this up with some Oakland Girl seasoning, some uh, Dijon mustard. Wait a minute. What is Oakland Girl seasoning? This is my signature spice blend, Oakland Girl. Yes. And this is a mixture of smoked paprika, Mm. salt, red pepper, and it's really garlic and onion. And it's really kind of like your all-purpose seasoning. But the salt content is very low, but it's a smoky spice because... You know, everybody likes that 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 extra something. So there's a smoke mm-hmm. sauce in that. Yes. I love it. So you use the vegetables, braised meats, everything. pretty much everything? Everything. It is How long have you had your own seasoning? I started my own seasoning line last summer. And it really just started with that Oakland Girl spice. And that was it. And then, Summer 2020. Yes. Summer okay. 2020. Yes. And it really has only been a few months. And it has been a really great experience as I come up with new um, different spice blends and teas. I do teas as well. What are the teas? Like, I'm a huge tea fan, so let's get into that. So I have one. This is a blend of chamomile and lavender. Mm, I love lavender. Just relax in the evening and get yourself ready to go to bed. So this is the one blend. How many teas do you have? Two right now. I have one in development that I'm not ready to to sell yet because I'm still working on the mix. But this is Restore. And Restore is hibiscus, lavender, and rose. And the three of these all have their own distinctive properties. Um, Hibiscus is really good for blood. So if you're having issues with your blood pressure, hibiscus can really help to lower your blood pressure. The lavender is very relaxing. And then the rose is like energizing and fragrant. And that one is because there's a the, the balance of that. That one just makes you feel like you can tackle the day. So I would do restore in the morning, like, you know, after breakfast, between breakfast and lunch, and then peace in the evening. So you have the two, the balance of the two. 
And those are all my favorite flavors. I love wow, all those. Really? I'm gonna have to send you some then. Yes, definitely. Now, how do people get those the seasoning as well as the teas? Do you have there a website? Are, yes, they are available at chefleisha.com. The tea is not on the website at this time. I'm still working on production. I have some for you though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but love it. You can order the seasoning on my website. Thankfully, in the in the near future, I'm going to have a new website launching. It's still being put together and I can't wait to unveil it because I'll have more products and more content. It's going to be amazing. Awesome. So let's talk about what a master food preserver is, because I know that's uh, something that you became in 2016. A good friend of mine who has since passed on, she became a master food preserver years ago. And when we met, that's all she talked about. She knew about my work and she said, you would be really great at preserving food. And I was like, well, I mean, okay. I didn't really see the big push at first, but I did the training with the cooperative extension here with the University of California. And it's a long process. It took months, but they teach you the foundation of preserving food. So we're talking about pressure canning, water bath canning, dehydrating, and so much more. And I found that it added so much value to my life and then started to teach it to other people, particularly people who grow food. If you're not utilizing food preservation techniques, you're kind of missing out on the benefit of really actually growing, having a little garden. Mm -hmm. I grow herbs and everything. I can drive them myself because I use the dehydrator. I can, I even got, someone gave me a ton of lemons and in order for the lemons not to go bad, they're going in the dehydrator. Mm. You know, um, canning, when you grow, I'm growing strawberries, I can make my own strawberry jam, fruit leather, all of those types of things. And it just, what it does is it brings you a little bit out of that store. All of the things that we purchase that are already prepared, we can cook them and prepare them and preserve them without all of those extra added things that are undesirable in our diet. So mm. I mean, you're talking just straight up fruit and a little bit of sugar cooked down with some pectin and you have jam. That's three ingredients. In the store, your ingredient list is really ridiculous. It is. <laughs> so that's the kind of stuff. And then if you make uh, if you make jam, you can make fruit leather. So no more buying fruit roll-ups, snacks for you and your kids, things like that. Food preservation is really something that I enjoy sharing about because I feel like the more we learn, the more empowered we are. And it's so easy. It's not as difficult as people think it is. The thing is, is, is though, I feel like this is a tradition that's been passed down generation to generation, especially in the South. And to find out now that you can get a certificate to be a master food preserver is something I never knew about. So, cause I know my mother, she canned and jarred stuff for years and I'm sure you have family members who've done the same. Yeah. So is this something that you learn more about and how to do it uh, professionally so you could teach people or did you know anything about this um, previously before taking these courses? Um, my grandparents, they grew food, they had chickens. My grandfather had worm bins and things like that. I grew up seeing it. I didn't know that it was a thing that had this title and that there was this certification process or anything. That's why when my friend told me about it, 
And I was like, why do I want to get a certificate in that? My grandmother's been making ice cream and all this other stuff forever. And what she really drove home the point was she said, what is happening is that people are moving away from the old ways of doing things. While I'm very familiar with it, there are some other people who may have lost some generations and and really didn't see that happening. You know, my other grandmother, she had chickens and, you know, there was the, all of those beautiful things. I grew up seeing mason jars in their homes and not really realizing that the reason why my grandmother's spaghetti tasted so much better than somebody else's was she made the sauce. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you make yeah. tomato sauce? You make your own sauce? Yes, I, I do. It's delicious. And I'm sure you use your own seasonings. Yes, absolutely. You know, I do. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's something that is really wonderful. I teach it because I, I'm passionate about it. And you're absolutely right. Chow chow is something very you got chow chow, you got pickles, you have all of these other things. And it's just, it's a good thing to do with your family to learn to pass down generationally. And it also saves you money in the long run and it improves your health because you're not buying out of the stores. Absolutely. Which brings me to, I mean, cause you're, you've been teaching this one-on-one, but it brings me to your podcast because I'm sure some of these things that you're talking about, you talk about in your podcast, the Mindful Chef podcast. So the Mindful Chef, the podcast was this outlet for me at a time where I felt like there was a lot on my mind that I wanted to say and didn't have a platform to say it. And one of my friends said, you should start a podcast. And I was like, who's going to listen to it? Okay, whatever. So I downloaded a free app and started talking. And that's really where it came from. And the name of it, the Mindful Chef, came from the fact that I don't only talk about food. I have a degree in nutrition and really communicating the fact, the things that black and brown people in particular deal with in the health industry and the wellness industry and all of the things connected to food. It just made me feel like I I needed a place to get all of that out. So I talk about a wide range of things as far as body image, health and wellness, food, also giving tips on cooking in the kitchen, how to maximize your budget in shopping, you know, why you want to learn how to make kombucha instead of spending $4 a bottle for it, you know, like all of those things and really tackling some of the harder issues too in the community, in the culinary world, my experience working in commercial kitchens and all of it. So that's, it's a, a mishmash of all things food, health and wellness on the podcast. I love it. So how long have you been doing this podcast? It's been a couple of years. Uh, I started in 2018, actually. And I didn't, there was no rhyme or reason as far as scheduling or anything. It really was just a thing where I have something on my mind today, so I'm going to talk. And some days I'd record a few and then release them little by little. Then I started to invite guests in, having some people share their experiences in health and wellness and food. And and then all the fun stuff, like what do people like to eat and cook and all of that, too. So it's been a couple of years and I'm really enjoying it. And I'm sure it's very therapeutic for you as well. It is. It really is. It is a place that I feel like I can express myself and particularly at a time where there wasn't a lot of other avenues of self-expression in this Mm -hmm. particular area, because on social media, you only have so many characters and things like that. 
Um, there was a time when I got trolled on Instagram for saying some of the things that I was saying on my podcast. Really? So yes, I had trolls because I'm a thick woman and how dare a thick woman have a nutrition degree and tell people that diet culture is bad. So yes, there were people who were telling me that my messaging was inappropriate and everything underneath the sun. And that really kind of like stuck with me and it affected me for a little while and it made it so that I was afraid to record. And, you know, I had a, a really good support system that said, don't stop. And I've just continued to push through since then. Wonderful, because your voice clearly is needed out there. It's a, a great voice and I love your platform. So I'm glad that you just ignored the trolls. More people need to do that and <laughs> yeah. just keep it pushing, you know, to hell with them. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and it still happens in very tiny microaggression type ways here mm -hmm. and there. Uh, I'm much stronger now to be able to deal with it. But it definitely is one of those things that every few months there comes, you know, a, a person along who who doesn't like it. And I say, you know what? I'm here to make you uncomfortable. That's really what it is. And I'm OK with that. Chef Leisha, let's talk about your private chef part of your company, some of the events and that you put on. I love to do intimate dining experiences. COVID really slowed that down, but it is still one of my favorite things to do because working one-on-one -on -one with a client about what their needs are, what they're looking to create, is one of the best things. My favorite time of the year is springtime. That's when you see the garden is flourishing and you're heading into the summer. And even though I love fall vegetables, the spring vegetables put a spring in my step, you know? <laughs> so it's so much fun to work with such fresh ingredients and really put a smile on people's faces. I love to set tables, put the candles out, you know, and make it all look really, really pretty. So I would say that that part of my work is the least stressful um, because other areas of my work, when I'm dealing with activism and things like that, it can get heavy. When I do the personal chef work, it is just all about the flair, you know, all about making plates look pretty and putting smiles on people's faces. And I just really enjoy that. Can you talk about some, some of your most memorable events that you've done for clients without mentioning their names, of course? Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll protect the <laughs> One of my most memorable clients was a couple. They were celebrating their anniversary and they wanted a very different type of experience rather than going to a restaurant and everything. So to set the stage for them, they actually wanted to learn how to cook. So it was a cooking lesson and a dinner. And that is something that we wove together. And to see them work together and the intimacy of it all, it was just really beautiful. We did a very simple fish dish, a grilled fish, and some asparagus with the butter sauce and some fingerling potatoes. But it was just, they felt like they walked away learning a new technique, a new dish, something beautiful. And then they had the experience of being able to cook together and eat together. And then they didn't have to wash the dishes. And I finally <laughs> exited and let them have their evening. And there was no need to get in a car and go anywhere. And I would say that that was my favorite one because there was that intimacy there. That is awesome. Do you do a lot of romantic dinners at your most requested event? Or what type of events do you mostly do? It used to be the, the romantic dinners. Now, 
people want me to teach their kids. <laughs> what? Yes, I do a lot of kids classes, a ton, virtually and in person. It is really amazing because I used to be the person that was like, kids are a lot of work. I have kids, but when it comes to teaching children, it can be a high stress thing, teaching children in the kitchen using knives and all that kind of stuff. And I said, I don't really want to make that my bread and butter. Listen, it's my bread and butter now. Like, <laughs> These parents are like, teach these kids to cook. Like, What are you teaching them? <laughs> I teach them everything, everything, everything. I don't dumb down my lessons for the children. The children are getting to know and learn how to cook very elaborate dishes and some easy ones all at the same time. And because food preservation is woven throughout everything, like I did a group of children, I taught them how to make granola. And, and then we did a parfait with the granola. We had the fruit and the granola and all of the other things. And that was one of the most exciting classes. These kids went nuts over granola. It was really wild. <laughs> the, the classes where I taught them how to make an omelet and I'm flipping eggs in a pan wasn't as exciting as the granola. They were like, yes, we need more of that. So it's <laughs> Have you taught them how to make the fruit roll-ups as well? Yes, I've done classes where I taught the fruit roll-ups. That one is a little bit different because it requires either a dehydrator or an oven. So, you know, we have those kinds of uh, things to, to work through. But pickles are very common. They love to pickle everything. I'm a pickle girl. I love all things pickled and spicy pickles, too. Same. <laughs> so doing those things, I, it's very fulfilling. It's exciting. The parents are happy. The children are happy. So I would say right now, that's like the most popular thing I do is teach kids. How many kids do you usually have at a, uh, at a time when you're teaching these classes? So virtually, I'm able to have more students than mm -hmm. in person. So the last in-person session for spring break, I did... 10 kids at once. That's yeah. a lot. That's we, a lot of children. We had we had different stations for them. Online, I've taught as many as 25 children only. Um, adults, I've taught 50 and above at one time. Online. And now that it's virtually that you're teaching a lot of virtual classes, are you getting people just from your area in the Oakland area or are you getting them from throughout? We are coming from everywhere. The last, uh -huh. So what is happening is different organizations will hire me and they advertise their the classes. So they hire me, they advertise to their community. And the last group that I taught had people, there was someone from the UK in the class. Wow. So there were people from Maryland, California, Texas, everywhere. And then there was that one person from the UK who was in attendance as well. So it was pretty nice. That's fantastic. It really is. So talk about, I know you, you're based in Stockton, California, and that's about an hour, you said, um, from Oakland. Yeah. And talk about Stockton and Oakland and, and just the whole culture there. So I got my roots from growing up in Oakland. And if anybody is familiar with the news of Oakland, you know it's the home of the Black Panther Party. You got folks like MC Hammer and, you know, Hall of Famers in baseball and football and basketball. And the art scene is really vibrant there as well. And of course, there, you know, I'm a 70s baby. I lived in the hood in Oakland <laughs> during the Bloods and Crips era. So I saw some stuff. Stuff, right? 
<laughs> I, I moved to Stockton many years later. I've been here for, I think about nine years now. I keep losing track of the number of years. And what drew me to Stockton when I left California and lived in Maryland for a few years, came back, we came back to Stockton because it was affordable at the time with gentrification. Oakland has become inaccessible to many of the natives. And the idea and goal was to always get back to the Bay Area, to stay here for a while and then get back to the Bay Area. But I found a home here in Stockton. The community is a lot different than the Bay Area. It's more laid back, it's quieter, it's still a city, but it's very small in comparison to Oakland. And there's this family vibe here. Lots of people here have been here for 30, 40, 50 years. All of their children are still here or they left and came back. The work here in Stockton is very different. I work for an organization that is all about gardening, food, teaching, mindfulness, everything in together. So I teach classes. I teach culinary classes. I weave in art and gardening with those classes. There's activism here. I set up along with my team, a CSA program where we give away fresh organic produce to over 150 families every single week. We started that when COVID uh, first arrived because we had a whole programming that had to change. I was going into the schools. You know, um, I was meeting with teachers and going to go into the classroom with them. And when COVID hit, that had to stop. And we said, how can we impact the community in a positive way? Let's give produce. And in giving away the produce, I also provide resources like recipes and tips and tricks on how to store these vegetables. The community, so many people didn't even know what this was. Wow. No, it was Swiss chard. They didn't know what to do with it. They didn't know anything. So the average my, person doesn't know what to do with Swiss yeah. chard. <laughs> yeah. So when we realized that after the first couple of weeks of giving things out, we said, well, we got to tell the people what to do with this stuff because I'm a chef. I know what it is. <laughs> so let me give them something. So we have in this summer, uh, we're going to be recording video content. I'm going to do some cooking demos on video and that will be posted online and be provided to the community as well. So it's all about education and resources and partnering with farmers and really working to help reduce those health disparities that we're experiencing here in the city of Stockton, because that's really what it is. The foundation is cracked. And what we want to do is bring the best strawberries to the people that they've ever had. You know, the county- I'm having to pay a million dollars for it. Right, the county I live in, we grow so much food here that it's very ironic that the people who live in this county don't even know where the farms are here. And there are farms everywhere. There are a lot of farms in your area? Yes, yes. Are there a lot of people in your area who are also gardeners like you or urban farmers? There are some. It is growing in popularity. There is an organization here called the Black Urban Farmers Association that is based right here in Stockton. And we do a lot of work with them, too. So I'm really excited to partner with the Black Urban Farmers Association. How many members are, are in that association? I really don't know. It is very small. And I do know two of the farmers that are on the board there. But 
you know, it's they grow a, a wide range of greens and other vegetables and things like that. So we've purchased spinach from them and some other oh collard greens and things like that. And we've given those away to the community as well. Awesome. My goodness, you you are you're one busy lady, Chef Alicia. You really are. <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> what is it that you love to eat? You've talked about everybody else and what you're providing for your community, what you're giving children. I want to know what is dinner like for you? You want to have just like a beautiful dinner at home. What do you eat on a regular basis? I love fish and greens and beans. Those are like my top three in shrimp. So I will grill some shrimp. I'll saute some greens and make some beans. Thank God for the instant pot, because if I forget to soak my beans, I can have beans in one hour from the dry state. <laughs> um, but I love, love, love those. And I play around with them too. I, I don't always cook them traditionally. I like to do different things, but I love a good grilled fish with a beautiful sauce. I've been playing around with making uh, different types of aioli. Someone gifted me a ton of dill. Mm -hmm. So I put it in the dehydrator, dried it, and then planted some of it. And I made a beautiful dill sauce with some sea bass recently and some salmon and that's that's real. I love vegetables. I really do. People think it's like outside. If I'm cooking for myself, that's what I'm eating. It's like something green, like asparagus or spinach or some type of green, like charred mustard kale. If I'm going out to eat tacos, <laughs> I'm a California girl. I'm finding the best taco truck. The two dollars tacos? tacos. No chicken. <laughs> really? Yep. <laughs> and occasionally pastor. So really? Yes. But I'm I'm a good taco girl. I will eat two, three tacos and that is dinner. Like I'm not complicated. <laughs> the taco trucks out there, they are legendary. They are, yes. <laughs> okay, well, I really appreciate you chatting with me and hanging out with me, Chef Leisha. Much appreciated. I love that I got to learn a lot about you and your wonderful style and your culinary point of view. So thank you again for joining me. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. It's been fantastic. I, I'm really, really overwhelmed and overjoyed that you invited me. I appreciate it. Well, that does it for this episode. I want to thank my guest, Chef Leisha Barnett, again for joining me. We're back next Friday with another outstanding, talented, and of course, stylish culinary personality you don't want to miss. Thank you so much for listening to Feast and Fashion on the Eat, Drink, Dine podcast network. I'm your host, Adasha Townsend. Meet me back here next Friday.